0: I'd like to welcome everyone to our podcast series, and today we have Steve Sills, my partner, Peter Klass, a principal and a colleague, and Tracy Liang, a manager and a colleague. Steve Sills and Peter Klass are co-authors of the third edition of the Moving Money book, and we'll talk more about that book a little bit later. Tracy is a contributor uh, that focused on uh, the China business, which we'll get to as well. I'd like to welcome Steve, Peter, and Tracy to our podcast. And what we're going to do is we're actually going to uh, start with you, Steve. And what we're hoping to hear from you is uh, with everything that's going on. And now we are in our ninth week of quarantine here in Los Angeles. How do you foresee the current crisis uh, may potentially impact uh, participants in general across the industry?
1: Thank you, Ivan. Depending upon how long production is delayed, the lack of current compensation for new projects makes contingent compensation extremely important for talent. If talent cannot currently work, residuals and profit participations become a lifeline for them. The recent rash of television litigation, like the Bones case, where an arbitrator awarded the talent $180 million in compensatory and punitive damages and the current Walking Dead litigation have raised awareness of unfair related party transactions at the studio level. And I anticipate more such litigation in the near future, which is another way to generate cash flow. Quarantining due to the COVID 19 pandemic has caused streaming through services such as Netflix, Hulu, Disney, and others to increase exponentially. This is a fairly recent phenomenon, as Netflix which started out as a DVD rental business, moved into streaming in 2010. When the second edition of the Movie Money was released in 2006, streaming didn't even exist. So we added an entire new chapter dedicated to this industry-altering platform in our third edition. Netflix is one of the companies that has benefited from the pandemic. The company increased its subscriber base by almost 16 million in the first quarter of 2020, to 182 million subscribers worldwide. Disney Plus, which launched at the end of 2019, now has over 50 million subscribers worldwide. Another industry-altering impact was the Trolls World World Tour, the release of the new Trolls movie by DreamWorks and Universal through Amazon Prime and iTunes instead of in the theaters. The studio reported that the film earned over $100 million in its first three weeks of at-home viewing, Movie theater chains weren't happy with this new form of distribution as an initial release, but the relative success of the picture might mean that other studios will try this form of distribution in the future. Unfortunately, current talent contracts don't really account for these changes. A-level talent often gets box office bonuses depending upon the performance of the film in the theaters. If a movie is released initially on television like Trolls, how do you account for such additional compensation? Most of the studios are altering their contracts to include streaming revenue as home video revenue or home entertainment revenue, which is usually reported as a royalty on profit participation statements, rather than at 100% of the amount received. All of these changes in the way movie studios do business will need to be properly reflected in future contracts with talent.
0: Thank you, Steve. That's a uh... That's quite informative, and I think that uh toward the end you focused on um everything and uh all about the streaming uh among all types of new media that uh that we're exposed to and have, and actually have availability uh, at home as we are again stuck at home and looking for ways to entertain ourselves, which leads me to my next question to you peter um, you know the the, the streaming services, you know, if that's uh, the, the broader definition of uh, whether it's uh, um, SVOD or AVOD or any other type of uh, services out there where you can get content from home, what well, we wanted to get your perspective is what impact do you see that the current crisis might have in the short as well as the long term with respect to new media in our industry?
2: Thanks, Elon. So much to unpack here. I think I'll take out the crystal ball and uh, make some fun predictions here. Uh, as Steve said, the coronavirus outbreak has dramatically impacted the film industry. Movie theaters have gone dark, uh, which will change the landscape in the near term. But I think the long-term impact will be the normalization of digital premieres for popular films. The current crisis will expedite releasing of new movies on direct-to-consumer platforms via streaming subscription services or digital rentals. And this will happen much faster than was anticipated even a few months ago. Studios will initially experiment with releasing some of their new movies on streaming subscription services like Disney Plus or through the premium digital rentals instead of theaters. Uh, we may see the mass rise of the premium video on demand, which is really just a fancy term for direct-to-video movies, but with a hefty price tag. Uh, The the recent Trolls films, as Steve mentioned, was available to view from home for $20 per 48-hour viewing, uh, which is more than a movie theater ticket. This will shake up the overall film release strategy for the studios, uh, which is based on distinctive exclusive windows for theatrical, home entertainment, and television. But with the theaters closed or at a reduced capacity, the studios have little choice but to release their event films for home viewing. Uh, This will be a calculated risk for the industry. I mean, scary questions for executives are, will enough households spend $20 to rent a film at home? How will the digital premieres impact subsequent revenues from video to television, which have been closely tied to box office grosses? Um, answer to those questions will impact the overall distribution strategy, but when theaters reopen, I would expect movies to debut on both format or on new media platform weeks, not months after theatrical release. Uh, in the short term, I think another byproduct of people staying at home could be the resurgence of film libraries, which would introduce millennials and new audiences to classics, cult films, and forgotten hits. Streaming hours have significantly increased in Netflix. On Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, Disney+, Plaza, pretty much every streaming service since COVID-19. With the Freeze on production of new films. These older titles, uh, I imagine, would have a second life in the digital space, or at least get some short-term momentum as streaming services look to refill their offerings. My expectation is this current increase in digital entertainment will benefit older films until the world gets back to normal.
0: Thank you, Peter. I, you know, I'm, I'm curious. You know, the the just as a follow-up. But the, there's conversation in the industry about AVOD. Uh, so as people you know, run out of money or don't wanna spend more money than necessary, AVOD may potentially surge and become another way for you to consume content without actually having to have a subscription fee. So I don't know if you wanna briefly comment
2: on that as well? <clears throat> yeah, AVOD, AVOD could be uh, big as well. I'm not sure that the studios will want to release their coveted big budgeted films on AVOD, but certainly the library titles I was talking about, people who never had cable or cut the cord a while ago, uh, this is a perfect time for them to subscribe to uh, YouTube, uh, Pluto TV, which I think is the new Viacom channel, and uh, the new Peacock uh, Platform, which will debut in July. Thanks, Peter. Last but not least,
0: Tracy. Um, uh, China, you know, is it's probably at a point where they're close to the end of at least the, you know, the let's call it the first phase of our crisis. There's a concern that there may be a resurgence later in in the winter, but right now, China is ahead of everybody, and uh, perhaps soon then any other country uh, could have their theater chains open up in the coming maybe weeks or months. But I wanted to see um, you know where you see the China industry uh, in the near term as well as the long term as it comes out of the crisis.
3: Um, thank you. Um, this is a good timing for us to discuss um, because this past Friday, the Chinese authorities announced that the movie theaters can start to prepare for reopening. Um, Although the government is still working on the specific timeframe and guidelines, um, we could expect in the short term that um, the theaters in China will implement strict prevention measures um, from frequent disinfection, enhanced ventilation, um, to also um, distance seating arrangements. Um, in addition, they will likely require all movie tickets to be bought online ahead of time um, to minimize physical interaction. Um, even with all those safety measures, um, the audiences may not come back in significant numbers right away um, because there could be lingering concerns about the outbreak um, or people just have um, less discretionary income to spend. Um, so the the theaters will need to run heavy promotions to boost ticket sales, um, perhaps through price discounts, um, free gift with ticket purchase, or even free movie screenings. And in terms of releasing schedule, um, since many blockbuster titles are delaying their releases to much later this year, or even the start of 2021, the theaters may have few new titles to offer at the beginning and may need to rely more on re-release of library titles, um, especially those with a massive fan base already. So um, one interesting development is that in order to support the movie theaters, um, the Chinese regulators uh, may mandate an exclusive theatrical window during this special time period. Um, so previously, there were no set rules, and movies in China typically play in the theaters for at least a month. But we also have examples of movies going directly to streaming during the theater closure in the last couple months. So with the government stepping in, the, theater, um, the theatrical windows um, is gonna be maintained and may be mandated to extend from 30 days to perhaps 60 or 90 days. So, um, so looking at the long-term impact, I definitely echo Steve and Peter's comments that the pandemic accelerates the trend of consumers moving away from traditional media and shifting towards digital consumption. So um, in order to stay competitive, competitive, the theaters need to come up with creative ways to attract the audiences, um, perhaps through technologies such as virtual reality or um, combine the movie going experience with some other forms of entertainment?
0: Great. Thank you, Tracy. that was, that was uh, insightful. so we really appreciate that. I wanted to uh, um, uh, go back uh, to you, Steve, but before we get into my final question, I think that you know as I listen to all, all of your comments, you know the one thing that I wonder in the back of my mind is, will drive-ins come back? Are we all going to go see a movie in our cars, parked, you know, with uh, our other significant watching a movie, uh, just like we did back in the 50s and 60s and 70s? We'll see. Um, All right, so Steve, with the launch of the third edition, as I mentioned before, um, of the Movie Money book, uh, could you share how you were involved, uh, since you, I think, were involved in the first edition, going back, and what value the book could bring to those involved in industry in general, uh, as well as with respect to profit participation, specifically.
1: Thanks, Elon. Let me give you a little bit of history here. The original version of Movie Money was released in 1999. Uh, there were three co-authors, David Leedy, who had worked for Disney and a number of other producers and distributors during his career, Bill Daniels, who at the time was a law student and the financial writer for Daily Variety, And me, Um, David and I knew each other from the business, and were introduced to Bill by Lon Sobel, who was Bill's entertainment law professor. And Lon thought it was time for a book about motion picture accounting and profit participations. There simply wasn't anything like that that existed. Um, The nice thing about having three authors was that whenever I was testifying in court and someone used a passage from the book to refute my testimony, I could always blame it on the other authors. I still do that to this day. Uh, by 2006, David had retired. Bill was working as a personal injury attorney, so it was left up to me to update the second edition of the request of the publisher. So much had happened in the industry since 2006, it was time to update Movie Money again, and I asked Peter Klass and Tracy Liang, who are my associates at Greenhouse and Jenks, to contribute new material to update the book. Movie Money is still the only book available that focuses on motion picture accounting in general and profit participations in particular. It's often used as a text in entertainment classes in law school and is written in a style that can be understood by lawyers, accountants, academics, and talent who might want to be prepared for how studio contracts and accounting will affect their careers and their future finances.
0: Thank you, Steve. And I uh, wanted to thank all three of you, Steve, Peter, and Tracy, for sharing some of your thoughts about uh, the current state of our industry, as well as giving us a little bit uh, of taste of what the third edition of Movie Money Book may be covering. I wanted to again thank you for your time, and thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you.